Hi, you're listening to A Brit Difficult with August. A Brit Difficult is a podcast aimed at intermediate learners of English, and we focus particularly on British English. We're here to bring you new phrases, new vocabulary, explanations of grammar, and a chance to hear many different voices from all around the UK, both learners and native speakers. So we have a guest on today's episode, but not a guest you would expect. It is a native speaker. Um, I think you'll get an opportunity to compare our accents and maybe answer some questions uh, about how native English speakers from different places kind of relate to each other. Um, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself first. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Tori. I, I am from Connecticut, which is in the U.S. It's next to New York. We don't have a big footprint. Um, and I went to university with August in the U.K. for three years. Somehow, weirdly, despite being a native English speaker, I ran into some language issues while I was over there. So there's always entertainment there. <laughs> uh, I, I th- When you suggested that we did like a, a conversation together, I thought it would be really interesting because a lot of people do learn to speak with an American accent or um, they consume a lot of media that is based uh, out of the United States. So then when they come to the UK, they do have a bit of a shock or uh, a bit of an adjustment to things like the accent or different words that we use. Um, even I think even British media tends to be very focused on a certain accent. So it can it can be a real a real cultural shock I think uh, so I think there was a few kind of things that we wanted to touch upon about things that you found interesting slash hilarious slash challenging <laughs> about being uh, an American in the UK um, so I think if we maybe start with like accent first um, what kind of the challenges you came across with that yes yeah, so accents. Um, normally I don't have that much trouble and I had been in the UK for all of three days. We were in the halls, which we would call dorms in the U S, uh, which I, that was an adjustment for me terminology wise. Um, and one of my friends asked me how I was doing so far and if there were any accents I was having trouble with. And I think that she probably meant some of the Northern accents or things that I had heard around. I said, no, no, everything's been fine. It's not hard. I, I, you know, I'm a native English speaker. It's not difficult. And then somebody walks into the kitchen where we were sitting and starts talking to me. And I, I just went completely blank. I had no idea what they were saying. I did not recognize that they were speaking English because they had a Welsh accent. And I, a native English speaker, could not recognize English. So... Uh, it, if you are learning English and struggling with accents, that is not on you. <laughs> did you did you ever actually have any trouble with northern accents like Manchester or sort of the surrounding areas? I'm thinking like maybe Liverpool, Newcastle, those kind of places. Um, I did go up and visit a friend at Durham and that's where I had the most trouble with accents in the north. But uh, no, I guess... It depends on how far north you want to count because I did encounter some Scottish related problems accent wise, <laughs> but that stops counting. So 
<laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, Scottish seems to present a problem, for, especially for non-native speakers, but even for native speakers past a certain point. I think in the very furthest northern regions of, of Scotland, I remember like I used to work in like customer service for a company and we were operating all of the UK. And whenever I had to speak to people in like very northern Scotland, it, I struggled. I really struggled. But I think it's because I'm not exposed to that accent that frequently. Mm. Um, so I think that's completely normal. Um I don't think this is a thing, but have you ever encountered any British people who've gone to the States and been like, I don't understand people here? <laughs> um, not where I live, not in New York. Um, I know people who have been, have then traveled to the South and they would be in the very deep South, not, you know, North Carolina or anything, but in Texas and Louisiana. And they would have a little bit of trouble but a lot of that is around um, sometimes accent, right? But more around different uh, implications of certain words and certain phrases um, having different meanings in the South. So yeah, that's normally where I would hear it, but we don't have a lot of accent variation in the US. Um, we can travel, you know, thousands of kilometers and the difference between you know where I am in New York and Chicago is maybe three or four words pronounced slightly differently in Chicago you might get milk instead of milk with with an e sound rather than an i but that's the biggest variation so it is a somewhat standard accent mm. uh, with with less variation here cool I think that kind of leads us into the the most common I guess issue or <laughs> debate that people have between British and American English which is what words to use um and I think there's some common ones maybe some not so common ones I actually did have a, a, a question for you that I saw <laughs> recently um because I've never heard of this substitution word before so if you're thinking about the device that you like use to clean your house, like to clean the floor, okay, like the electronic device. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in, in the UK, we would call that a Hoover. And as far as I was aware, in the States, it would be called a vacuum or a vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. But I saw some content recently on Instagram where somebody was claiming it's called a roofer. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that. Where were they from? Um, I'm not sure exactly, to be honest. Um, but I was like, I've never heard that that vocabulary used before. Yeah. I mean, there are some like regional ones in the US, but n- not usually that pronounced. Uh, yeah. That, <laughs> I'm going to have to look that one up because... I have never heard that in my life. I would call that a vacuum. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, should we get into some of the common kind of, uh, let's call them substitution words? Yeah. That people can subs- yes. Um, maybe this is just me being a very food motivated and focused individual, but the fries are chips, the chips are crisps thing is um, very common and it is difficult for me to say the word crisps. I don't, I think it's all the S's. I don't know why, but I would, 
I would just avoid eating them because I don't know if I would be able to say the word with a straight face. <laughs> the tough one for me. There are some of those substitutions though that you can read on a list in the internet and in three years never once came up. Like not once did I need to know a truck is a lorry. Did not come up. Not super relevant. The pants trousers ones. This is important though. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I actually debate that as well um, because I would absolutely say pants. I would never say trousers. Um, and some people would say it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Like I would say pants to talk about trousers like every single time. Yeah. Yeah, some people get very heated on that one, though. But those are the ones that will will really stand out to you. Um, but that one's always on all of the lists, right? It's on every BuzzFeed list because it, it's kind of funny because it's about underwear. So it makes it on all of those lists. I'm trying to think if there are um, any big... Oh, there there is one um, substitution that I very passionately think should not exist. Um, There is a word used for cigarettes in the UK that in the US and I believe also in Canada is an extremely derogatory slur against the LGBT community. And um, I think that we should just retire that one. I think we should just all call them cigarettes. But if you're learning English um, and you don't know necessarily where where the person you're talking to is from, just just say cigarettes. Don't substitute that one in. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's becoming less common now, to be honest. It's been a long time since I heard anybody use that word to talk about a cigarette. That's good. Yeah, I maybe this was, oh my gosh, when I say back in uni and knowing that it was 10 years ago, I don't like that feeling. Um, feeling so old, but hopefully that one is on its way out. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the other ones, you know, that are more subtle. Um, oh, this is a debated one in the UK too, I think. The I, things I would call desserts, possibly many different names. Um, are you about to weigh into the Jaffa cake debate? Because that's... There, is That's it a Jaffa specific debate? I didn't <laughs> there know. There is. What, 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 <laughs> I just know things being referenced as pudding, where I think of pudding as a very specific snack. But no, please tell me about these Jaffa cake situation. Uh, so we can't decide whether Jaffa cakes are a cake because of the name or they are a biscuit because they're in the biscuit aisle. So mm. has Paul Hollywood weighed in on this? I don't think so, but... Because my opinion is whatever the opposite of his is. Um, I had a couple that came to me as well as thinking, like, uh, kind of an obvious one, but trainers versus sneakers. We have that one in the US too, actually. Some, some people will trainers. call them trainers, some people will call oh. them sneakers, some people will call them tennis shoes. Okay, that that makes sense to me only because there is a kind of similar word in German. <laughs> that's the only reason that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Um, that's less common, but people would know what you mean. Um, and th- this isn't really a substitute, but I just, I don't know, I feel like we, we use the word fizzy a lot more in the UK. Like if I went 
to a restaurant or something in the US and asked for fizzy water, I feel like you'd rather say sparkling water, but maybe that's just yeah, a distinction. Or soda water or something like that. We don't, yeah, we don't say fizzy very often. We should Ever. though. <laughs> word we should use fizzy more often everything um, is, we not only can you have fizzy as in bubbles like fizzy drinks mm-hmm. but you can have like fizzy sweets things that are sour that make you like like this is oh. fizzy as well so I wouldn't have described that as fizzy but okay I'll let I'll let that one go the other thing and this could this isn't really a substitution right and this is back to my dessert thing where <laughs> pie in the U.S. is almost always sweet, right? It is almost always a dessert fruit-based sweet thing. That's like, you, you guys have mince pies and that's about it. So uh, in terms and of- And even that's pies, confusing right? because people think that they're meat. Yes, that is also <laughs> confusing because I thought they were meat for a while and then I ate one and I'm like, this is delicious, but not what I was expecting. <sighs> Um, yeah, I could go on for a long time about dessert-based confusion. Again, I'm a very food-motivated person, but most pies in the UK being savory or salty, we don't say the word savory very often, actually. Um, That would be, yeah, surprise. It's a surprise. Yeah, I think there's like tons that are coming to me now, but they are mostly food related, like tomato sauce versus ketchup. Oh, Uh, no, those are two very different foods. (laughs) Those are two extremely different foods. We 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 can use tomato sauce to talk about like something like passata, like a pasta type sauce, or tomato Mm -hmm. sauce also means literally like ketchup. They, They can be used to describe both of those things. That would come with some surprise and disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think there's tons and tons of different vocabulary and things like that that we use. Um, But like you said, there's a lot of lists and things like that. We might have to just come back and do a food-related episode, (laughs) what I'm thinking might happen. Um, And I will by then have thought of some food-related disasters uh, that have come up in my life, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, the I think a lot of these make sense in context as well. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes if you don't know the name of a food or something like that, you can it can end in disappointment. Um, I remember accidentally ordering, I think it was shrimp in Japan <laughs> when I didn't know the word, and then I was mm-hmm. so sad when it came because I don't eat seafood, so I had to give it to my friend, and it was it was a, it was a dark day. Yeah. Um, these things happen. They do. They do. (laughs) Very disappointing. But I think we touched on this a little bit in some of these examples we gave on substitutions. But there's one other big area of thing that confused me when I first came to the UK. And that is words that we both use, but mean something extremely different. And pie is an example of that one. But the one that threw me the most is um, a very common greeting in the UK. Are you all right? And it it was the same week as my um, new Welsh friend. So it was a big week for me. People were asking me this, you know, when I come in and out of rooms and I was so confused. I was wondering, 
do, do I look like I've been hurt? Do I look like I've been crying? Do I, I look like something's wrong? Because in the U S you would only really use that phrase if, if somebody did not seem all right. Um, and so that one followed me for a while until I realized it's more of just like, what's up? That was a weird, weird week for me. Yeah, we, we had that definitely come up in uh, the last conversation episode with uh, Dimitri, who's mm-hmm. a, a Russian speaker, and he's still trying to wrap his head around why people keep asking him why he's all right. And he's been here for about a decade. So, mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I'll be on a call with um, like a British colleague and they will ask that question and I could see the other U.S. colleagues kind of being like, what's going on? And I'm like, I know this one, I know this one. <laughs> but I think that that's more of the adjustment on, on the other side. Um, the other ones there I would think of is if you're not feeling well, describing yourself as poorly, um, that would have, is a word that I use, um, but to mean something is not well done or not done properly, not, not feeling well, like you're ill. Um, describing food that tastes good is nice. Very confusing for me for a little while. Um, and the phrase, well, nice. No, I, I realize you can't see me, but I'm shaking my head right now. Just no, that one doesn't make any sense. Um, Oh, and this isn't a language thing, but it is a thing uh, that I've realized. Um, when you are texting British people, they all sign off their texts, little X's at the end, little kisses. <laughs> and if you don't do that, you look like you're mad or like the biggest jerk or you're being mean or you're upset. And that's not a thing for me. And it's not a habit for me. And so I would never do it. And it was like very upsetting to some of my friends at first. And I was like, why are there all of these X's? I don't know. Um, So that was a weird one. And then when I come back to the U.S. or when I'm texting friends in the U.S., I will do it sometimes and it doesn't mean anything. And they're confused and think I typed something wrong. So does that count as language? (laughs) I think it counts as language in, in this age where this is how we often communicate and I've definitely had the same experience with basically anyone who's not from the UK, whether that's an English speaking country or a non-English speaking country, everyone has their own customs. Um, but usually yeah, they just either ignore the X's or they ask you, what does that mean? But I literally saw a post about this today and that's why I was kind of laughing because it was saying like, uh, trying to resist the British urge to add X's knowing that they are underappreciated and misunderstood. <laughs> Like, yeah. oh, it is only just us who do that. And like, we really read into it. Like, did they send one X or five X's? And somehow it's important. <laughs> and, and what is the appropriate number of X's? And again, sometimes like some of my British colleagues will will do that at like the end of a work email. Um, and I know that That's it's too a habit. Far. That's too that far. We're on, but we're, we're friendly and they were on their phone. And I'm like, all right, it's Danny. It's not weird. Um, but it, it is a habit and it, is a learned one go back and forth but now I you know I might have lost some friends just by people thinking I was really mean oh no (laughs) I'm not I just didn't know what was going on (laughs) 
Is this is though I see a lot of like videos on Instagram reels or on TikTok of um, people like young people translating emojis for us, and I think that that's one of those ones um, that again another different language, but I think it still counts, right? Very different implications. The text without the kisses at the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm, this is probably a good thing for people who are getting a lot of um, American content is I, th- I feel like the UK picks up a lot of the lingo and we kind of steal it and use it. Like there's a lot of people here who will say something's lit and it, it sounds kind of weird <laughs> from a British person, but it's clear, it's clear where it's come from. Um, yeah. yeah, there are certain words that I just, I could never they sound stupid in my accent. Like I could not describe myself as knackered. It just sounds weird when I say it. Well, like saying something's mint. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even try. <laughs> Actually, I did try and then I never tried again. <laughs> um, um, I did yeah. have a, a question, but it's kind of a big question. Um, okay. So I think British people are notorious for especially when on holiday if they're speaking with a non-native speaker uh they just tend to speak louder and and hope that the other person somehow understands um i wondered if you noticed any difference between the uk and and the us about how people interact with non-native speakers i know you work with a lot of non-native speakers for example um it's a big question but any any a big question and there are kind of a lot of different reasons and explanations and situations, right? Um, And unfortunately, the way that that tends to come up tends to come up in a way that is fueled by xenophobia. So Mm. it, it is just by not wanting foreigners in the country or thinking everybody should have learned English, right? It's less when we're on vacation, on holiday, um, but it is very common when we have like large Spanish speaking populations or large Portuguese speaking populations where I am, there's a lot of um, Brazilian people here. Um, And yes, that tendency is to get louder and and slower but usually louder um and angry sounding but when I tend to the people I work with right we are all used to working on global teams and the reason we work on global teams with a lot of non-native English speakers is because that's something we enjoy and appreciate so it depends on how you surround who you surround yourself with um and how you tend to interact with people with different levels of knowledge than you. Um, I, for one, could not do business in another language. I understand exactly what that would take and I couldn't do it, Um, especially dealing with people like me who talk fast and who use words that don't always make sense. Um, And it gets difficult so yeah it's a tricky one to answer 
Yeah, absolutely. Like like you said, I think this comes across more in negative situations, definitely when the interaction is more positive. Yeah, you'll just tend to like mm-hmm. slow down, repeat yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. See if you, something I do is I try to just explain it in another way. If mm-hmm. it's apparent that my vocabulary or delivery is like not what they expected, I'll kind of go for a different tact. Um, um, I have a, a good friend of mine who asked me to help her study for an exam um, called the GRE. It's an exam to get into grad school in the United States and she was studying for it. And she said, Tori, please do that thing where you use words I have to Google um, because it's helping me with my vocabulary. (laughs) Oh no, I had no idea. And that really made me think about how I'm interacting with my colleagues, right? Where I don't want people to need to Google what I'm saying. I want them to interrupt me and tell me I'm not not making sense. Um, That's a very cultural thing too, where I would jump in and say, hey, can you please explain that differently where I think other people wouldn't. Um, There's a cultural, um, I don't know what to call it, right? I'm not sure of the noun here. A cultural thing uh, called cooperative overlapping. And it's very common in Jewish communities in the US and um, Italian American communities, people with uh, whose families immigrated from Italy about a hundred years ago at this point, um, where we all just start getting louder and talking over each other and interrupting. And it is a way we communicate and a way we add into a conversation um, that isn't common in other cultures and can come off as rude in other cultures. So I grew up in, in this kind of environment and I expect that. So if I'm, but I don't get that from other people. So I'll go off talking and realizing that people aren't understanding me. I've started to change the way I interact and stop and ask for that feedback because it is, it can be difficult. So that, that is one thing I'll say is if you're not understanding, ask, ask for the change that you think would be helpful. Yeah, I, I actually think that that cultural difference extends to British people. <laughs> like, I feel like we're unlikely to tell somebody, and if uh, we'll just end up in an endless loop of apologizing and say, "No, no, you go ahead," and uh, <laughs> we'll just never get to the end of the conversation. <laughs> yes, um, uh, that is a sin in that show, to be honest. Yes, yes. Um, if you get a British person and a Canadian uh, in an apologizing contest, it, it's very long. It doesn't have an end. Cool. Uh, I guess, um, is there anything else you want to add or any fun things you just think British people are weird for? Not just how we speak, just how we are, because we are weird. Um, <laughs> well... I have to think about that one, right? After three years, I've gotten used to you um, and your terrible selection of peanut butter. Uh, that was a struggling point for me. Um, is there, is but, there more than two types? Yes, there are so many. There, there are different <laughs> brands and different amounts of sugar in them. It's, it is a staple food group for me. Um, I'm trying to think, right? There are so many differences, but I've gotten used to them at this point. 
um maybe our obsession with gravy I feel like that's that's a personality (laughs) okay so actually here is one here is one y'all put sauce on everything there is not a meal that you have that doesn't have some sort of sauce going with it and I'm counting ketchup in this which doesn't really in my mind count as a sauce or like Worcestershire sauce or or a one or gravy which by the way is a is a different thing here uh we have many types of gravy but again in the community I grew up in that could mean pasta sauce uh that's very that is a very niche um it, it is like a New York City um, area region thing, which is where my mom grew up. Um, but yeah, everything you have to have a sauce on it. Why? Is it the lack of seasoning in the food? Is that what it, it, it is? is? I was going to say <laughs> it's the fact that the food is so horrendous. <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but <laughs> I, I, you might want to edit this one out, but I was going to make a British Empire joke. Was that whole thing just because you were looking with food for some food with some flavor in it? <laughs> that I, the point I, of the colonialism? I think it was, and and we failed miserably, uh, fortunately. Uh, yeah, do you, do you have any closing thoughts? Any anything else to add? Um. Well, that's a lot of pressure and I didn't come up with anything funny. So I'm sorry. I'm going to just do the, your thing and I, I'll, pod, I'll apologize. <laughs> say I'm so sorry. I couldn't come up with anything better. I'm sorry that our language is also so different and confusing. It's my goal to get, if I can, to get um, as many English speakers on here to compare the accents so I'd love to get like an Australian, uh, somebody from New Zealand, from Canada, from South Africa, um, people who are from like India, African nations that have English as the main language. Um, I think it would be really interesting to compare um, my like weird hybrid northern accent. I would recommend getting uh, a Welsh person. And a here. Welsh person, maybe. <laughs> Just put, put me with that person and we'll see how well it goes this time. Um you, there, there isn't a lot of variation in accents in the U.S., I will say, but the regional things can be very funny um, and very confusing. And I'm going to pick on the Midwest for a, a second, um, where they will say, oh, no, yeah, for sure. Um, so yes, no, yes, for sure. And that will just mean yes. <laughs> and, and they will, that whole phrase will be yes. Um, but if they say, oh, yeah, no, that's no. <laughs> I, I feel like yeah. they are maybe our long lost cousins because uh, we kind of do something similar, I think, where we do combine like yes and no. And depending on the order it arrives in means whether it's yes or no. <laughs> so, um, You know what that that entire phrase is reminding me of? The one I complained about a little while ago. It, it's giving me well, nice vibes. <laughs> so we need to work on our grammar and uh get better adjectives that is um the goal or, of the, the whole of the nation or we can do that over here in the u.s um there are more people and they are more resistant to change but i'll see what i can manage 
No, thank you for having me on. And I am happy to join you again anytime, especially if this sparks any questions from your listeners. Uh, send them my way and I will see if I can answer them. Often I can't, uh, but we'll see. Uh, if anybody knows, <laughs> actually, August, I'm going to leave everybody with this question of me as a native English speaker. Maybe somebody will know the answer to this. Um, why are you? on a plane and you're on a bus and you are on a train, but you are in a car. Somebody asked me this. I don't know. It's been bothering me for months. So <laughs> I, I also don't knows, know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but maybe somebody who learned English will, right? Sometimes English learners know a lot more about grammar rules than native speakers because we've never thought about it. So if anybody knows, please tell me. Please help please all help. native speakers who don't know why we've been talking this way for hundreds of years. Exactly. Uh, and we apologize for that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you.